continuing a little bit in the the series, kind of the kind of the abiding in Jesus series. I know I know uh, Pastor Jonathan, uh, the Chi Alpha Pastor, kind of a couple weeks talked about that. I started with the Bread of Life three weeks ago. Uh, last week we talked about the this, but a couple announcements as you're getting there. Um, there's a membership class that will be starting soon, so, so some of you that are interested in that, watch for that. And then we're going to look to try to do a water baptism in October, so we'll also be looking for that. I think I'm done with the announcements. So, take out your Bibles if you haven't already. Uh, there's pews in the Bible if you want. Uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I'm going to read a little bit here. Uh, but before we do that, I want us to pray as we get into the Word of God. How many of you know the Word of God is living? Okay? It's living. It's active. Okay? So it's not just like you're reading a novel. Thank God you're not reading a technical manual. You're not reading a textbook. You're reading the life of God given to us. Amen? Okay, so let's read this and say, before we read that, say, Holy Spirit, welcome and open my mind. So, Father, we thank you that you're the word of life. Jesus, wake us up today to the word of God. Let it breathe life into us. We bless you and we thank you that you bring life to us. You're the life giver. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you good? You ready? Are you ready? Okay, John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine... And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about this. Jesus talks about, he says, I am the vine. God is the gardener and you are the branches. Got that? So, if, if, how many of you know what grapes are? Okay, I'm going I'm to kind of humor, humor me a little bit. Now, the grape, in this, in this uh, scripture, the vine is actually the trunk, okay? Jesus is the trunk. And the branches are you and I. And then God is a gardener. He takes care of it. He waters it. He prunes it. He, he watches over it. So, so, what he's saying, Jesus says, if you remain in the trunk, you will have life. Apart from the trunk, you can do nothing, okay? So, you can't go to work. You can't have a single life. You can't have a marriage life. You can't, you can't exist without God's help. Amen? Okay, well, let me move on then. And then it goes on. It just talks about this. It says, okay, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Listen to this. If a man remains in me, I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and I will, it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Again, God says, in me, fruit comes out, right? As a Christian, you can't just say you're a Christian and not have Christian fruit, right? We talked about that a little bit last week. So let's go on a little, little further. Go down to verse uh, 12, John 15:12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his, father, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Verse 17, finally, is this is my command, love each other. Okay, so as you become connected to Jesus, you're no longer just a servant, now you're a friend. Not only are you just a friend, not only are you a follower of Jesus, 
But God gives you direction. Say, God gives me direction. So God doesn't want believers, well, I just go to church and I'm, I'm saved. And that's good. But now he says, I give you direction. I give you purpose in life. I give you whatever you're called to do. I'm going to help you. Okay, are you good? Bruce Wilkinson, if some of you may or may not know him, he wrote a book uh, and it was The Prayer of Jabez. Anybody remember that? Way back in the 80s. It was the late 80s, 90s. And then he wrote another, yeah. Then he wrote another book called The Secrets of the Vine. And so in that book, The Secrets of the Vine, um, Bruce Wilkins said he, said he bought a house near some vineyard area. And when he bought, when he went out and looked at the house, there were like these beautiful grape vines all along the fence. And there was a next to the neighbor sharing. So he's all excited. He said, oh man, we're going to move in. We're going to get grapes. So the first day they're moving in and they get everything moved in. And he sees that his neighbors out there, Jesus chopping down these vines. He's like, what is going on? What's my neighbor doing? I mean, the guy was, it's almost like he's killing the plant. So, so Pastor Bruce Wilkinson goes out there and says, Hey, man, what, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? He's like, Hey, you, you like grapes? The, the, the neighbor says, Yeah, I do. And the neighbor looks down at Bruce Wilkinson's shoes and he sees that they're nice leather shoes that have never been outside. He says, You're a city boy, aren't you? And he's like, Well, what's that have to do? He says, you, you like big grapes? He said, Yeah, I, I was hoping to get some, but you're cutting this thing. I said, Did you know that the more I cut this, the more fruitful this will be? And when I cut off these wild branches, these branches are growing everywhere, this thing will grow huge, succulent grapes. Is that what you want? Yeah. So let me, let me, let me relay that to this. You see, you and I want fruit in our lives, right? We want God to work in our lives, right? But with that, we have to allow God to cut some stuff out. Right? We live in the land of plenty, don't we? Right? Come on, in America, we live in the land of plenty. Correct? There's a lot of choices for us every day, correct? But how many of you know you can't have all these choices? You know that old saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too? Right? Remember, I was a youth pastor for many years, and we'd have these youth events, and we'd order pizza. And so it got to the point that we had, like, we had cheese pizza, pepperoni pizza, mushroom pizza, meat lovers pizza, vegetarian pizza, and all this pizza started going to waste. And we're like, you know what? We're giving these kids too many choices. So we narrowed it down to two choices. They had cheese or pepperoni. And then from that point on, we pretty much never ran out of pizza. And so, it, now let me relate this back to life. You see, in life we have all these choices. I can go here, I can do this, I can be that, I can do that, I can go there. And what happens is you start putting all this energy into all these little things, and you really, you know that old saying, you, you, you become a jack of all trades, but you're a master of none. And even in your spiritual life, we start, we start dabbling in all this stuff. We start trying to do all these things. We try to get involved in all this stuff. And our spiritual lives... Are we have either minimal or no fruit because we're just all over the place. We're trying to be everything. Because in America, that's it. You can do anything you want and you can be everything you want because this is America. But the reality is in the spiritual life, Jesus says, I want you to bear fruit, much fruit, fruit that will last. And so we have to, we have to dismiss this democratic mindset, this choice mindset. God gives you lots of choices, but you have to start narrowing in on your choices. You know, I can't do everything, but I can do these few things. And I can do them well. Amen? So here's my thing as your pastor. I love you, and I do say that you can do whatever God calls you to do. But today's message is going to be a little bit of a message where God is going to deal with us. We're going to allow God to cut us a little bit, right? It hurts, doesn't it? If you had a garden or rose bushes or, or anything like that, or trees or fruit trees, if you, if you allow the fruit trees just to grow crazy, they don't bear a lot of fruit, correct? You've got to prune them a little bit, okay? So this is what happens. In our lives, God prunes. How many know pruning hurts sometimes? Alright, so let's go to the first thing. Number one, because God loves us, He cuts off and prunes. Isn't that awesome? No. You're like, what? That's crazy. So, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, 
and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Now, let me give you this real quick. Okay? God's a loving father. He's not a child abuser. Okay, so I, I remember there was a church that I was in and we were, always, we were always in the fear of God. Oh my goodness, if I think wrong thoughts, if I dress the wrong clothes, God is going to beat me down. That's not God. Okay, however, because now we're in the age of grace and we're a little more free, now we think we can do anything we want. Right? We can think we can, be, we can live like the world, we can sin, and, and that's not the case either. There has to be some balance, correct? Okay, so the first thing is this, letter A, Sometimes real love hurts, right? You've heard that as kids growing up, right? Mom, dad says life's just tough. Deal with it, right? You're a little lethargic today. I need you to kind of at least smile and act like you're awake, okay? So listen to this. In, in the Christian church in America, we have this mixed up concept that God's love always means no pain. That's not biblical. God's love sometimes means pain. Sometimes it's joy, it's fruit, and it's great, it's exciting. Then there's times that it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's not a pampered life. We, we want a pampered life. And God never really wants you to be pampered. He wants you to be fruitful. Are you following me? Are you doing good? Just as a loving parent doesn't allow their child to run into the street, God disciplines us to keep us from running wild. Amen? You doing good? Let's move on. Let her be. Why does God cut and prune? Why does God cut and prune? Why? Because He loves us. He loves us. So He wants to cut things out. He wants you to be blessed and He wants you to be a blessing. And you can only be blessed and be a blessing if you allow God to work in your life. Are you following? You good? So then He cuts things off. He cuts off sin. He cuts off wasteful uh, resources or things that you should not be doing. Um, The natural inclination... Remember I talked about the grapevine last week. The natural inclination of a grapevine is to grow down and just grow all over the place. Okay, and so the so the vine dresser or the gardener comes in and he, he lifts those branches out, the vines, and he pulls them. I'm sorry, the branches out, and he either puts them on the trestle or he cuts them away because it just it grows everywhere. And the more he cuts it and the more he lifts up, the more fruitful it is. Now you and I remember the least resistance. We try to live a life of least resistance, right? Sometimes we, the less that we can do, sometimes, or if it just flows, it's a lot easier. If you want to lose weight. What must you do? You have to cut back. You have to work at it. If you want to be a good musician, you have to do what? If you want to be a good computer programmer, you have to what? If you want to be a great Christian, you have to, you have to work at it. You have to pray. You have to allow God to cut stuff out, right? Come on, amen? And so it hurts sometimes, but without pruning, without cutting, we produce little or no fruit. And listen, God, this is something we don't hear in the church a lot. We hear, oh, he got, God, you know, live your best, best life now. God just wants to bless you. He wants to bless your socks off. But blessings come when we allow God to cut stuff out. Blessings come when we're open to His discipline. Blessings come when we're just open to God to help us in our lives. Amen? And so, if you, if you read it, it says here, it says in John, it says that you're already clean because of my word in you. And the picture here is, is the, the gardener or the vine dresser if, if you've ever been around growing stuff and it gets down in the dirt, what happens to branches or vines that gets into the dirt? Anybody? They rot. They get mildewy and they get moldy. And so, so the vine dresser pulls them out and he washes them up and he puts them where there's air and he puts them where, there's, where there is, is some sun. Okay? And so when you and I get in sin, the Bible says he's cleaned us. Je- Jesus has cleansed us with his word. He's pulled us out of the sin. He's washed us. And then he's put us on the vine and he expects fruit. 
Are you following me? He doesn't want us going back to the mud. Right? And so sometimes we want to go back to the mud because it, it, we thought it was fun and God is pulling us back. So He's a loving God. Amen? He's gracious. He pulls us back and He works on us and He helps us. And so as a vineyard, listen to this, as a vineyard is worthless unless it bears fruit that, per, they, they, that, may per, that brings happiness to the, to the vineyard, so the Christian principle would be worthless if Christians were fruitless. Correct? If we're not reaching people with the love of Jesus, if the fruit of the Spirit is not flowing out of our lives, if God's goodness is not coming in our lives, then we're really no better than religious people. Right? God expects fruit from your life. God expects fruit from my life. Correct? Listen to this. Uselessness invites discipline. Usefulness invites discipline. I'd prefer good discipline over bad discipline. Correct? So let's let her see. Who does God cut and who does God prune? Okay, so, so what does the cutting mean? Again, the Greek words, the cut here, cut off means it's arrows. It means it lifts. There's a couple terms. For it. The first term is to lift it up. To lift it out of the dirt, lift it out of the mud, and put it in a place it can grow. And after a while, then it also then means to, to prune, to cut. And then finally, if it's not bearing fruit and it's sick... It cuts it off. Okay, so who does God cut and who does God prune? Well, the first, again, Jesus is speaking about the vine dresser. The vine dresser is God. And God is working actively in our lives, correct? And so who are the branches that he cuts away? Well, there's two things. Jesus was talking specifically about the religious people. The religious people of of Jesus' times, they refused to listen to God. They refused to accept Jesus as a Messiah. And their lives were fruitless. So God had, had spoken to them for years and centuries. And finally he cuts them off. Okay, now I know this doesn't always jive with our Christian mentality. Hey, that, you know, once you say a prayer of salvation, you go to heaven. And really, there, there are different types of people that are believers. There are those who just go to church. They say they're believers, but there's no fruit. Then there are those who truly accept Christ and they kind of show a little fruit or there's, there's just, it goes, kind of goes back to the old. And God is saying, I'm going to work on you. I'm going to cut on you. And so there, there's a couple different types of things here, okay? The first is the religious group. God has been speaking. If, you, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, there's a lot there where God sends the prophets and He's speaking to the children of Israel. They're very religious. They're very hard-hearted. And they're not listening. They're not listening. They're not listening. God is a gracious God, right? And eventually it gets to the point that they deny, excuse me, they deny Jesus. He cuts them off. And then there's what's the professing believers who are seriously, they're useless because there's no fruit in them. And God begins to work on them. How many of God is very, very gracious with you and I? But He will not allow us to keep being disobedient. Correct? Come on, I know in America we allow our kids to be disobedient. Well, you know, they'll grow out of it. If they're not dealt with, they never will grow out of it. And God, God will never spoil us in that sense. He will never let us just be and do what we want without some discipline that, that when we're off and doing the wrong thing. And the final thing is also apostate Christians. I know for some people, and I don't have a whole lot of time to go into this, some people, and the church I grew up in, they, they believe that once a person made a prayer of salvation, they were saved forever. They could live like the devil, they could, they could denounce Jesus, but they're going to heaven. I have a hard time finding that in Scripture. In fact, if you look at, I don't have time to go there exactly today, but at Matthew 13, I might have it, or you want to write it down, Matthew 13, verses uh, 
3 through 9, and then verse 18 to 23, Jesus talks about the parable where the seed is sown, there's the, the hard ground, you know, there's the, the shallow ground, and, and, and there's the fruitful ground, and there's the, you know, so there's different places, and there's different things. And so Jesus then goes on, he talks about it in, in, in Mark, Matthew 13, uh, verses 18 to 23, talks about, again, where the, the, the worries of life chokes out the life of God, or the heart, the heart was so hard that the seed never took root. And then there was the soil that was prepared. Your and I desires to have soil that is prepared, right? We want to be strong in the Lord. And so God talks about these people. Let, let me go on. John 14, 15. Listen to this, okay? The Bible is very clear. Real Christians that abide in Christ produce godly fruit. Amen? Come on, just claiming Christianity does not make a person a Christian. Correct? That's easy believism. So, John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Fruit does matter in Christianity, correct? It's not religious words, but it's the fruit of God coming out of our lives. Matthew 3.8, listen to this. Jesus says this. These are the words of Jesus. Matthew 3.8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew 3.10, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to the religious group that, that they, they say, hey, we, we've got faith, but there's no fruit in their lives. He warned them for generations. He warned them. And finally, he says, I've warned you enough. You're, just, you're not healthy. I'm going to cut you off. We have a hard time for that, don't we? I'm not going to read all this, but Matthew 7. Then Matthew 7, 15 through 20 talks about the wolves in sheep's clothing. And then if you look at uh, Matthew 7, do I have it? Go down to verse 17. It says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So God expects fruit, right? I know this isn't happy, exciting preaching. I know the pastor saying, this is like Labor Day weekend. You're supposed to be easy on us. This is the Word of God, amen? And God wants you fruitful, right? And because I love you, I want you to be fruitful. And because I'm going to stand before God and I have to give you sugar-coated muffin ser- sermons the rest of my life, I'm going to be in trouble. I've got to bring the full counsel of God when He tells me to. Amen? Amen. Come on, are you doing good? So, so here are some ways, listen, here are some ways in which, unfortunately, we can become useless branches. The first is, we refuse to listen to Jesus. We say, I'm a Christian, but you refuse to listen to Jesus. You become a useless branch. The second is, we can listen to Jesus and, re- and render lip service and say, hey, yeah, we, yeah we, we believe you, but there's no fruit. And of course, the third, of course, is we accept the Master, uh, but yet, in the tough times, we run away. And that's kind of what that parable is talking about. Th- those are useless fruits. Let me move on, alright? Number two. Number two, cutting is discipline. I want to talk a little bit about differences of discipline and pruning. They, they seem the same. They could be the same. Um, but sometimes they're misconstrued, misconstrued. Okay, so cutting as discipline. John 15:2. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. Okay, so letter A, the good fruit, the good hurt. Sorry, the good hurt. Discipline. Listen, I'm going to read this to you so I get it right. Discipline is what happens when our loving Father steps in to lift us away from our own destructive and unfruitful pursuits. Deuteronomy 8.5 
Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Okay, so part of being a Christian is discipline. Correct? Come on, right? Usually, discipline is to correct us, to get us on the right path. And if we're in error, there's a major sin problem or there's an attitude or there's an unconfronted behavior, God begins to deal with you. Again, He's loving. He's, he's correcting you. In fact, um, how many of you love discipline? A couple of I like discipline. I like being disciplined to, to live right, but no one enjoys being disciplined when it hurts, correct? So we're not sickos. We're like, yeah, beat me up. I like it. I love being yelled at, man. The, the more you yell at me, the better. Now, that's, that's, there's an issue there. But sometimes you need a good discipline, right? Come on, right? Amen. Does discipline feel good to a child? No. As parents, does discipline feel good to the parent? No. I remember, I remember that growing up as a kid. I mean, my mom and dad say, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I'm like, no. I'm the recipient. And I never understood that until I became a parent. And I hate disciplining my kids. I hate it. And I, and I, I remember growing up. How many of you remember this? I grew up and I said, I'm never going to do that. Right? I'm never going to do, I'm never going to say what mom and dad, and now guess what? Now you're dealing with your kids and what you're saying the same things. And you're doing the same things. And you realize, you know what? My mom and dad, they weren't as bad as I thought. They loved me. They were helping me. They wanted me to grow. And see, God is a loving God and he's the same way. Amen? Discipline is the way to committed love, yes. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6, it says, When you have forgotten what the word of encouragement... Let me read it again. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that, that addresses you as sons or children. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes anyone, everyone he accepts as a son. You see, so discipline... And pruning is a fact that God loves you. Isn't that exciting? You should be cheering, right? No, well, what's wrong with you? All right, let's move on. Why would a loving God... See, this is the, the misconception. Why would a loving God want to bring us pain, even in small doses? Well, when you're, when you're being rebellious, it's to get your attention. And it's to gain a very fruitful life. Let me read it again. Matthew twelve eleven. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Isn't that awesome? So the, the vineyard, the gardener, he's training the, the branches to grow. He's cutting off wild branches. He's, he's cleaning them. He's training it. And so God takes our lives and he disciplines us. He's training us. He's moving us around places we don't like to be moved to, right? He's stretching us. He's cutting stuff out. We don't like that. But in the end, there's a lot of fruit. We like that, right? Without discipline, you cannot have fruit. I mean, yes, fruit naturally comes up, but God begins to prune junk out so you can become... Now let's talk about this, the hard realities, okay? So the good hurt, let's talk about the hard realities, okay? Now, I've, I told you last week, there, one of the houses my wife and I had in Salt Lake City had these beautiful rose bushes. And, and at first, I didn't understand this as much. My, I remember my dad, because he grew up on a farm, said, Stan, you've got to trim things, trim your fruit, branch, your fruit trees down, you've got to trim your rose branches down, uh, because you want them to be lush. And so I didn't understand. So the rose bush, I told you, like, just started growing everywhere. I didn't want to trim it. It just, I was like, you know, the, I, come on, Dad. I, I think if I just let it grow, it would have more roses. And that wasn't really the case. They were smaller, they got sick, and I had to clean it. And so when a branch got sick, guess what I had to do? First, I tried to wash it. 
And if that didn't work, guess what I had to do? I had to cut it. Why? Because the sickness would go from the top of the branch, there was this mildew stuff that would get on the top of the branch, and it would begin to work its way in. And if, if, I did, if I didn't stop it, it would move on to the next branch. And if I didn't stop it, guess where it would go? It would go to the root. And one of the rose bushes, because I didn't do that in time, it killed the rose bush. So in our life, the hard reality is sometimes when we're sick, when there's something wrong, God wants to deal with it right away. Correct? He wants to get it out because He knows it's going to destroy your life. And no one likes that. No one likes the cut. Uh, there's some things that God works on us. There's signs of sickness, and I don't have all day, but if we're constantly angry, that's a sign of sickness. Amen? I'm just throwing a few out. These are the ones I got right before the service. If you're critical all the time, that's a sign of sickness. Come on, right? If you gossip a lot, that's a sign of sickness. If you complain a lot, that's a sign of sickness. If you think you're better than everyone all the time, guess what? That's a sign of sickness. And God says, I, I can't let that stuff. That stuff's going to destroy you. I've got to cut it out because it's going to destroy you. Amen? You see, these symptoms arise from, guess what? Sin. God, I know what I'm doing. I know more about my life than you do. Really? Wow, that's scary, isn't it? But because of our sin, God begins to discipline us. He begins to work on us. He begins to cut us. He wants our heart and soul healthy. He wants your life bearing fruit. But if the sickness is in you, you cannot bear good fruit. Correct? Amen? So how we respond to discipline determines how long we are disciplined. Did you know you can end discipline pretty quick, right? If I say, okay, Lord, I, I confess, I'm sorry. Discipline doesn't have to continue. The sooner you repent, the sooner it can end. Isn't that exciting? Come on, right? Let me talk about three degrees of intervention. Letter C, three, three degrees of intervention. I'm moving on. You're doing good, right? This is good stuff, amen? Yeah, that's great. That's fine. Well, I've got to give you the Word of God, amen? Amen. Hebrews 12.5 My sons, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when He rebukes you. So the first thing, there's a couple things here. The first thing is a rebuke. No one likes being rebuked, do we? A rebuke is a strong verbal warning. Often times it comes because we're not responding to the voice of God. It's like, how many of you, you know, like, men, we don't get it all the time with women, do we? And if you know, please teach me, because I'm still learning. I've been married 20 years, I'm still learning. But I, er I learned early on, because of my mom, my mom had a look when I did something wrong, right? Remember that, the, right, the raised eyebrow? So my brother, I mean, we had two, bro I had three brothers, and, and so we roughed house, and we'd goof around at the dinner table. And so we'd be in a dinner table, and my mom, you know, my, we'd be goofing off, and my mom would, would say, you guys stop. And we'd still be goofing off, you know, punching each other, spilling, and then the, the raised eyebrow came up. Or the look, you know, the look, guys, right? Then you know, okay, dudes, we better stop. And you know, boys, you kind of get, and you stop for a second, and then you start doing it again, and then the, then the dad. <clears throat> and then if that didn't work, then came the rebuke. Stan, or my brothers, because it was always my brothers, you know, Bill and Gary. If you're listening, I love you guys. You know, and so there's the rebuke. Stop it. You know, and it's like, well, I wasn't doing anything. You know, right? I wasn't doing anything. How many times do we say to God, I wasn't doing anything? Then why is he rebuking you? Right? A rebuke from God or a warning from God can be a prick to your conscience. 
And I know none of us like this, but it can be a timely word from another person. We don't like when our friends correct us, do we? But did you know God sends people to correct us? Right? We have this mindset in the church, well, I only accept correction from the Lord, but do you know the Lord uses people to correct us? And and I've been a pastor for 20 some odd years, and I've had lots of people tell me, Pastor, how dare you correct me? And and I'm I'm not anything righteous or anything like that. How dare you? God speaks to me directly. I said, that's awesome, but He also speaks through you indirectly through pastors, parents, friends, spouses, co-workers, neighbors, even children. Right? Sometimes a, a, a warning from God, a rebuke, is a scripture, it's a sermon, it's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if that doesn't work, then He intensifies. Okay, so then comes what's called number two, chasten or discipline. Hebrews 12, 6. The, because the Lord disciplines those He loves, He punishes everyone who He accepts as a son. Now this word discipline and chastening are interchangeable in the New Testament. Uh, and this can be anything like feeling frustration or distress or anxiety and what used to be joy doesn't work anymore because God is trying to get a hold of you. He's trying to get your attention. Okay? Many Christians bump along in this level of discipline and they think there's something wrong. God, I'm, on, I'm on the outs with God. God never wants you to be on the outs. Say that with me. God never wants me to be on the outs with Him. Do you understand that? God loves you. He's always drawing you in. Come on. God's a redeemer. Amen? So whenever he, you feel like there's something wrong, there, there's something that's in between God and I. It's typically me. You. Right? Well, come on, right? The sooner you admit that, the more mature you're going to be. Amen? And so God, you feel like, man, church just doesn't mean anything. Can I talk, I'm going to talk about that just for a second. Can I do this? Again, being a pastor for 20 some odd years, you know, an associate pastor for two churches and being a senior pastor, I've, I've, I've run into a few people and they'll say, Pastor, you're not feeding me anymore. And, and number one, I have to hold myself back, number one. Because I'm thinking, I'm not your parent. I'm your pastor. You're to have a relationship with God first and foremost. And what you receive at church should just be actually, should be building on what you've done throughout the week. And sometimes it's just God speaking. So, so, so when they say to me, Pastor, I'm not being fed anymore. I think we're going to leave the church. And I say to them right away, what's wrong? Well, you're the, you're the problem, Pastor. No. What's wrong? Well, man, worship doesn't mean anything. You guys mess up on the songs. You can't, you, the sermons, you're just hyper. And, I, you know, the, 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 the fellowship here is just not good anymore. And, and, and I'll say, what's wrong? I just told you, no, no. What's wrong? What's wrong in your life? And see, when you and I get to this point, you know what? Worship means nothing to me anymore. The messages don't mean anything. People are just rude at my church. Can I love you and say, there's something wrong? And it's in you. How can a church that's live and vibrant for years be all of a sudden, in, within a few weeks and a month, just go sour? It's because there's something in our lives. And God is trying to get a hold of you. Amen? And there's something wrong. And God's saying, I want to make it right. I, I want you to be healthy. I want you to grow. I want to love you. I want your life to be fruitful. Or we feel like disconnected. Or, or we read the Bible. And there's plenty of times we read the Bible and I don't get it. And then there's times I read the Bible like it's a eureka moment. Wow, I've been reading this for years. And, whoa, this is awesome. But what happens when there's 
when there's sin or, or bad attitude, when we read the Bible, there's like nothing. And, and so God's beginning to work on us. He's trying to get our attention. And if some of these things sound like symptoms to you that you're dealing with, maybe there's ongoing sin in your life. You see, God cannot bless disobedience. Come on, say that. God cannot bless disobedience. And so God does not want that. He wants you to be pure. He wants you to be holy. So then the third thing is this. If you don't get the, the raised eyebrow, you don't get the, <clears throat> you don't get the stand, I'm talking to you, then number, number three is scourge or punishes. Hebrews 12.6 Because the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes. No one likes it. He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Scourge or punishment, this means to whip. This means to inflict punishment. Now God is not a child abuser. God does not want to beat you up. But it's, it's the same Greek word that describes what the Romans did to Jesus before they crucified Him. It, it, it means to the point that you've become so hard-hearted to God that He has to cause a little pain in your life to wake you up. Because He loves you. At this level of discipline, we are openly living in rebellion to God. We are living in sin and we're enjoying it. And we're saying, God, forget you. This is great. And because God's a loving God says, no, it's not great. It's going to destroy your life. I'm going to have to spank you now. I'm going to have to bring punishment on your life. Because He loves us. And it might be in the dinner, dinner center. Oh, man, if, if, if you know me, I hated missing dinner. I still hate missing meals. And so the worst thing that can happen to the, bro- the Nelson brothers at dinner time is if mom and dad said, go to your room without finishing dinner. And you see, sometimes God has to then take something out of our lives in this point of being disciplined. Because it's become more important than Him. Or He deals with us. No one likes that, right? God takes long-term sin very serious because He knows the consequences are destructive in your life. And I know we live in a free country. I can do what I want. I can do whatever I want, want, how I want. No, you can't. You don't want me driving up and down your sidewalks because I want to. You don't want me coming to your workplace with a machine gun shooting everybody down because I want to. Do you see how crazy we've become? Well, whatever, whatever they want to do behind the closed doors, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does because everything done in secret comes out in the public. And the churches, we're starting to sound like the world. I don't care what kind of lifestyle. They can do what they want. I don't care as long as it doesn't affect their work. It's going to begin to affect their work. It's going to begin to affect their, their lives, their singleness, their, the way they raise people. And you see, Paul was talking. I don't have time to go there, but write this down. 1 Corinthians 11, 30-32. Do I have it? Write that down. 1 Corinthians 11, 30-32. You know, I'm going to read it. I've got to give you the word. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. See, God wants to deal with you now before He has to condemn you. And what this means is judging ourselves as we get our our lives right with God. Several cautions must be made in what I just said. I want you to hear this. Okay, listen to this. I'm going to read this to you so you get it right. God, listen, will never hurt an innocent person to indirectly discipline a sinning person. Let me say it again. God will never hurt an innocent person to indirectly discipline a sinning person. Terrorists do that. God does not do that. 
In other words, your dad won't get cancer because you're having an affair. Do you understand this? Some of you struggle with this area. God wants to deal with you. He's dealing with you. Amen? When God disciplines us, it's never out of meanness or impatience or wrath. Thank God for that. He's wanting us healthy. Are you grasping this? And then, listen, as God gives us ample opportunity all the time to repent. He's constantly, I'm drawing you back. Will you turn away from that? Will you come back to me? In fact, the Bible says in Corinthians says that, that when temptation is too much, God always has a way out. What a loving God, amen? Let me go on, let me move on. Number three, pruning versus discipline. Which is which? Which is it? Pruning versus discipline. Well, here we go. Letter A, misunderstanding God's methods. You see, pruning and cutting hurts. Pruning is cutting and hurts, and discipline is cutting and it hurts. But you and I sometimes, we can't distinguish the difference. We may get angry at God. We may question God. We, we, may, we may say, God, why are you doing this? Listen to this. Pruning brings fruit. Say this. Pruning brings fruit. Discipline gets me back in line. Okay? So, God, it sounds similar, but God is disciplining you when you're disobedient. He wants to bring you back in line. Pruning hurts a little bit, but it's because God wants more fruit. I mean, ultimately, discipline brings you back to the pruning process. Pruning process brings you back to fruitfulness. Amen? And so, you really should just stop fighting God. Right? Stop fighting Him. Stop fighting discipline. Stop fighting pruning. And say, Lord, and in fact, if you don't understand, here's, did you know God says He answers prayer, right? Say, God, are you, are you disciplining me or are you pruning me? He will tell you. It's very simple. When we're in the wrong, we know we're being disciplined, right? Come on, right? Even your kids know. If you have a pet, even your pet knows when it's done wrong. Our little Karen Terrier, he's like, he's like a little uh, 18-pound furball, but he thinks he's an 80-pound dog. He's tough, but, but I mean, when I come in and, I, and he knows he's done something wrong, we've been gone all day, guess what? He's like, and I find something he's dug into him. He loves digging through my kids' bags and finding like granola bars and stuff. And so, so a, lot, a couple weeks ago, I come home and he dug through Zoe's soccer bag. She had a tournament last weekend. And guess what? He knew. I walked in. I just walked in the house immediately. And you see, discipline. We know when we've done wrong. So typically, we understand that, right? I'll say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. Now, pruning is. There's a little fruit there or there's a little sick branch or something, but God just is cutting out. It hurts a little bit, but then more fruit comes. Discipline brings you back to this process, but discipline is dealing with wrong. Are you good? Can I move on? So let it be recognizing pruning versus discipline. Again, in both cases, acknowledge God is trying to get your attention. Right? Come on. Let it be God loves you and He's trying to get your attention. Trust that since a loving parent wants to correct their child so their child does right and has a fruitful life, God is even more loving. Right? He loves you so much that he's, he's trying to get a hold of you. Ask God. Ask God. Father, is there sin in my life? Or are you just trying to prune me? Are you trying to help me? Lord, I want to know. I want to know when you're disciplining me and I want to know the difference between pruning for more fruitfulness. He will answer that. Amen? God will answer you. He loves to help you. He wants to speak to you. 
Let me move on so we can get down to the end. Last thing, letter C. Giving God permission. This is an area that we struggle with. We say we're Christians. We say God have your way in our eyes, but we hold on to certain things. Right? Come on, right? You see, if something's come between you and God, I encourage you, deal with it right away. If something's more important than God, your job, a friend, a thing, whatever it is, a habit, a hobby, then say, God, I give this up to you. Give it, take it out of my life. I give it up to you. Repent of sins. If there's sin, if there's something wrong, you know you're in the wrong, repent of it. Because sin will take you down a road you don't want to go. And God doesn't want you to die. The devil wants you to die, but God doesn't want you to die. Amen? Say, God, I want to be fruitful. And the most fruitful and joy-filled Christians are pruned. Not a prune, but pruned, cut Christians. When you and I allow God to cut stuff out of our lives, we're actually more joy-filled. We're more excited. We're more fruitful. Isn't that exciting? Wasn't this an exciting message? No. It wasn't meant to excite you as much as to give the Word of God to you. It is exciting because... When discipline comes, then comes fruit. When pruning is there, more fruit can come. And you see, the church in America, we think we can do what we want, and God is there to bless us, and the pastor is there to serve us, and I am I'm here to serve you, but also serving means allowing the Word of God to cut. Because I want you to be more fruitful. I want your job to be more beneficial to you. I want your family life to be more beneficial. I want your spiritual life to be more beneficial. I want your life to be more beneficial to the world. And that means you have got to say, God, I give you permission to cut stuff out of my life. God, I give you permission to correct me when I'm off. Amen? You want fruitfulness? You want a blessed life? Then you've got to say, God, I give you control. I give you permission to tell me what I need to be corrected in. Amen? Now, don't go around like the religious people and have like these, you know, these whips and like, oh, God, I'm a bad person. No. Let God deal with you. He will. You know when you're wrong. Allow Him to work on you. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Because God loves us. Listen, because He loves us, He attends to us by cutting out stuff. Sick branches. Cutting off wild branches. Branches that are, just, that are just growing all over. He cuts stuff out so you can be more fruitful. Amen? So here's what I want to do this morning. I want you to close your eyes just for a few moments. Close your eyes and, and bow your heads just for privacy around Holy Spirit, would you tell me how to finish this? I had something in mind today, but I think you're, you're, you're moving me somewhere else. So I want you to tell me what to do today. Friends, would you just... I'm going to be quiet for a second. and Would you quietly just prepare your heart for what the Lord wants to do? Just do that right now. Just, just follow me right now. Just allow the Lord to speak to you right now. God, is, God is, has said to me right now that he's, he's dealing with some of us about some stuff in our lives. That's rebellion. And He wants you to confess it because He wants you to be healthy. You know who you are. I don't know who you are. But God has spoken to you right now. There's something you need to let go. It's killing you spiritually. It's hurting your relationships. It's even affecting your job. Would you allow God to cut it out? Would you confess it? And would you repent of it right now? Let Him do it. Father, 
If that's me, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, if we need to confess something, we want to do it because we want to be right before you. Help us, God. Help us, Lord. Still with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Speak to us, Father. Spirit of God, would you just begin to move in this place right now? Begin to help us. Help us to be fruitful. Help us to confess wrong attitudes, wrong behaviors. Lord, let us confess our sin of pride, of religion, God. Forgive us for fruitlessness, God, because you want a fruitful believer. You want a fruitful church, God. Forgive us of American Christianity, easy believism, that we can kind of do what we want, when we want. Help us to be obedient children that are fruitful for you. Friends, with your eyes closed, with your heads bowed, maybe this morning you've come into this room and you've heard me talking about Jesus, the Savior of the world, and He's He is life, and He's the bread of life. And you, you're saying, you know what? I need to make Jesus the bread of my life. I need Him to be the life. I need His salvation. I need, I need to be forgiven of sins. Jesus can forgive you of your sins and wash you of your sins. All you need to do is repent of your lifestyle and say, God, I, I repent of my sins. I give you my life. And if this is you today, you need to make this decision for the first time. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just quickly raise your hand and say, that's me, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior for the first time. Okay, I trust that everyone's done that then. Here's the last thing. In fact, I'm not going to bring you to the front today. I was going to bring you to the front, but I want you still with your eyes closed now, your heads bowed. God is helping us to be more fruitful. God wants you to be fruitful. Amen? God wants this church to be fruitful. He wants every church in every country, every nation to be fruitful. But some of us this morning, we're not allowing God to discipline us. Would you allow Him to discipline you? Some of you, God is trying to prune. He's trying to cut some unhealthy stuff out. Would you allow Him to do that this morning? Now, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And if that's you and you want me to pray with you, Please don't look around. Say, Pastor Stan, that's me. I'm having a hard time allowing God to discipline me. I want God to discipline me. I want to be healthy. Would you just quickly raise your hand? Say, that's me. Hands up. Hands down. Let me pray. Father, for my friends that were honest today, you're dealing with them because you love them. The Bible says, because you love us, you discipline us. So, Lord, forgive us for our attitudes, wrong actions, or thinking we're above it. Lord, help us to be right with you. And when we get right with you, we'll be healthier. Help us today, Lord. Thank you for correcting us, God. We want your correction because we want to live long lives that bear you much fruit. Now, here's the last thing, friends. God requires fruit in our lives, at home, at work, in school, in church, in our neighborhoods, in our community. There's two more things, but first, personally, this. If you're saying, you know what, God, there's a lack of fruit in my life and I want you to cut away stuff so I can be more fruitful. If that's you, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, raise your hand. Say, that's me. I want to allow God to cut junk out so I can be more fruitful. Hands up. Hands up. Hands down. Hands down. Father, for my friends that said they want to be more fruitful. They want to give you permission to cut. Would you cut? That's me, Lord. I want, I want you to cut me. I want to cut junk out. That's wasting your time. That pulls me away from you. That, that, that doesn't allow me to be fruitful. Lord, we will be, we will be more fruitful when you, we allow you to cut junk out. So cut stuff out. It hurts a little bit, but it brings a lot of health to us, God. And Lord, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise your hand, but Lord, there, there are those who are sick. They have some things that are wrong. And I mentioned those earlier. Criticalness, gossipness, complaining, griping, pride. 
Lord, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hands, but Lord, would you deal with us if there's sickness and we, we give it to you. Cut it out of our lives, God. Cut it out. Cut it out, God, because we want to be healthy. And the last thing that you want me to do, Father, is you want this church and every church to be fruitful by reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. We can no longer continue to be happy by not reaching people. Part of the fruit in the church is winning new people. So, Lord, I know we're all busy. I know we all got busy lives. We're, we're working on doctorates. We're working on projects. We're going to school. We've got our kids doing that. We've got this and that. But, Lord, we're never too busy to share the love of Jesus to our neighbors, our co-workers, and our friends. And, Father, you expect every church to be winning people to the Lord. And so, Father, as your pastor, I ask for forgiveness that this church has not been winning a lot of people to the Lord like we should and like we can and so, Lord, even as a pastor, it's, it's been probably over a year since I've been able to lead someone to the Lord personally. Maybe even two. And, Lord, we should never be happy a year goes by as an individual that we've never shared the love of Jesus with anybody. We should never be happy that we're not discipling someone every year. Lord, that shows a sign of a lack of fruit in our lives. Father, never let us be so consumed about the world that we forget about making disciples. That's what this church is here to do, to make disciples who are making disciples. So, Father, we confess our sin. We do not want to be like that anymore, God. We want to be more fruitful, winning people and making disciples, who are in turn winning and making disciples, God. You're rebuking us. You're rebuking me as a pastor, and I accept it, God. And so, Lord, this church will never allow ourselves to be fruitless again in this sense. We have to be reaching. Every one of us has to be vessels in our workplaces, our homes, our schools, the labs, out in the work field, wherever we're at, God, that we are vessels of honor, that we will gladly share Jesus with those around us. So help us, God, because your desire is that every church, every church that preaches the gospel is to be fruitful. So we confess it, and now, Lord, make us fruitful because we want to be fruitful for you. I know it hurts today. This was a tough message, God, and I really honestly didn't want to give it this